and welcome, fellow human. My name is Zachary Stockhill, and you are listening to Humans in Love, a podcast that looks at culture, relationships, and personal development from unconventional perspectives. Join me as I dig into the question of how people like you and I might get more out of life and love. Thanks for being here. Hello, friends. Zachary Stockhill here. Hope you're doing well. I'm speaking to you from a villa in Bali, and I hope that doesn't sound too obnoxious <laughs> because I know uh, a lot of people are in pretty pretty rough shape right now. A lot of people are going through a really hard time with this pandemic, and so comparatively speaking, I'm feeling pretty good and I like where I'm staying, and so far, touch wood, the, vi- the virus hasn't hit Bali too hard. Time will tell, of course, what'll happen, but um, yeah, things are fairly mellow here. Obviously, the tourism industry has been just completely wiped out, so there, are, I think there are several thousand foreigners still in Bali, people like me, but yeah, it's, uh, it's weird driving around the usually the most popular areas of the tourist district here in Bali and the streets are mostly empty so it's a very very strange time to be to be here pretty unique time to be here so i really hope you're doing well i hope you're staying fed and i hope you're staying safe and healthy and all that good stuff i'm still getting notes from a lot of you listeners around the world and they really mean a lot to me so if you ever feel like reaching out you can find my email zachary at zfstockhill.com Never be afraid to reach out and say hello. Today I thought I'd try something a little different. I thought I would do a music-only podcast, and I continue to rip off my uh, one of my favorite podcasts. It's called Tangentially Speaking, hosted by the author of Sex at Dawn, a guy named Chris Ryan. And he does episodes every once in a while where he shares music that he's been listening to. And as some of you probably know, I used to have a music podcast. Music is one of the great loves of my life, if not the great love of my life, and I thought it be might be interesting today to share some of the music that I've been listening to recently and hopefully introduce you to some new stuff. And yeah, this feels a little more intimate and a little more fun to me than just putting together a Spotify playlist. So and what follows will be what I've been listening to lately and somewhat loosely based around the theme of social distancing and just the weirdness of the current times that we're living through. The first track I'd like to play is off Tame Impala's new album, which is absolutely wonderful. The album is called The Slow Rush. The song is called One More Year. It's a song about possibility and marking time. And I think really looking at yourself in the mirror and deciding what you want to do with this time. And I don't know about you, but I've really spent a lot of time doing that over the past little while, just looking at myself in the mirror and really trying to decide how I want to spend this time. Because there are different options. I mean, the temptation to eat too much and drink too much and just kind of hang out and take it easy is pretty strong sometimes, become a couch potato. And I've been fighting that mostly successfully so far. But uh, yeah, all of this free time can let our demons get a hold of us. So it's up to us, obviously, to decide what we're going to do at this time. So this first track is called One More Year by Tame Impala. Thank you. 
This next track has one of the best beats that I've heard in a long time. It's by an artist called St. Vincent, an American artist. The song is called Digital Witness, and I think it's pretty self-explanatory. I don't know about you, but I've been spending way too much time on my phone as a result of this social distancing, and I've been way too much of a digital witness lately. But I love this song. Uh, I love the beat. I love the the lyrics, and I love her performance. It's very kind of Talking Heads-esque. She's great. Digital Witness by St. Vincent. Good.
another song about time. This is probably the most famous song about time. Time by Pink Floyd. And I, most of you have probably heard this before, but not long ago I put on some good headphones and went out on my patio and had a couple glasses of wine and listened to Dark Side of the Moon in its entirety, which I probably haven't done in five, five or more years. It's just such a brilliant piece of work. I mean, from start to finish, the way it flows and the way it unfolds and the way it builds and then drops for a passage or two and then builds up again. And the actual recording of it is so well done. The actual mixing and mastering, and it just sounds great, even though it was recorded back in, back in 1972, I believe. But this song is just wow. What can be said about this song? It's the lyrics and the performances and possibly my favorite guitar solo, at least in the top five favorite guitar solos of all time, David Gilmour's solo in this song. And uh, yeah, it's just absolutely brilliant. Pink Floyd, Time.
Alan Toussaint was probably one of New Orleans' most famous musical sons, famous as a songwriter and an arranger, but his own albums are pretty funky themselves, and I really dig this track. It's called Worldwide. It's off his album called Southern Nights. Mr. Alan Toussaint. On a sadder note, in recent weeks we lost one of the greatest songwriters I think America's ever produced, a guy called John Prine, who was just an absolutely beautiful soul, very delicate and very insightful and plain-spoken lyricist, just an absolute genius. And yeah, he died of, of COVID-19 and it's just, for, for me, that was one of the moments when the true reality of this new pandemic really started to take hold when people like that start dropping you know this what's happening is real this is his song that's the way the world goes round by mr john prine
Frank Zappa is an example, a rare example, of a songwriter who can is really good at being funny in song. It sounds like it, you know, you might have a different perspective, but I've always found that that's a really tricky thing to nail. Randy Newman can do it, and Frank Zappa can do it, and I don't think there are that many others. John Prine could do it, but there really aren't a ton of songwriters who are actually funny in song and who can really pull that off well. I think often it comes off as overly contrived and kind of cheesy, but... Zappa's amazing, an absolutely incredible musician, and this is a song about television, another vice that I've been battling lately with all this free time. This song is called I'm the Slime by Frank Zappa. Wow. 
remember on the last podcast, episode 40, I believe, I interviewed a Canadian speaker and author by the name of Stephen Jenkinson, who's made some really beautiful and really affecting and really moving music with another Canadian artist called Gregory Hoskins. And if you haven't listened to my conversation with Stephen, you know, I know I'm getting really self-promotional here, but I, I really think it's a it's a really wonderful conversation. Stephen's insight is enormously valuable, I think, during this particularly precarious moment, or at least precarious feeling moment for our species. And I found the conversation really touching. And this album that Stephen made with Gregory Hoskins, it's called Nights of Grief and Mystery, is really a delight. And this piece called Mother Canoe is, for, for me at least, uh, the most moving track on the album. Really beautiful. And as a tribute to mothers everywhere. I know we just had Mother's Day in Canada and America, at least. In tribute to mothers everywhere, I wanted to play this track. It's called Mother Canoe. Thanks to everyone for listening to this today. I really appreciate it. If you dig this experimental new type of episode, please be sure to let me know and send me an email or reach out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Otherwise, I hope to talk to you again very soon. Thanks, as always, for your listenership and support. Talk to you soon. I'd like to tell the story to uh, all the men here. That's how you learn about old. You learn about old by learning about not young. I don't mind if anybody else overhears, mind you. There's such a thing as not young. You'd be glad of it, that your youth is finally done. You don't have to do that crazy shit anymore. You get to do old person crazy shit. <laughs> Much different repertoire. But this is for the men. There's a mournful little event that happens in the life of a young boy. It doesn't seem to get nearly the kind of attention I think it deserves. And it's this. You were adrift in the amniotic funk of your mother for the longest time. That's not the mournful part. The mournful part is when you are expelled. And you are expelled. It's not your idea. You're trying to figure out what did you do wrong. You're three, which is a deeply achieved age by then. And you're following the rules as best as you can figure them out, though they are a bit of a moving goalpost from time to time, but still. And for all of that, suddenly somebody decides, and you get the message. 
that the bath time thing has changed. And you are expected now to do so on your own. What a mysterious thing. Something like being excommunicated. You're trying to find the reason why and nobody tells you. And then there's a certain familiarity that goes by the wayside with that woman that you've known for so long, your entire life at least. And she doesn't let you as close in the same way as she wants it. You know what I'm talking about, of course, but I'm telling it from the kid's point of view. And again, nobody explains it. Nobody says this is good for you. And if they did, it wouldn't mean anything anyway. What's, what, what's wrong with the bath? <laughs> the good old bath, you know. So time goes by, you see, and eventually you're banished from any real alertness to your mother's physique. This is one of the great losses for a young boy turning into something flirting with the beginnings of manhood. So confusing. That kind of love is so confusing. No guidebook, no explanation, and it sure doesn't look like love. to it and apparently this is called growing up you scab over that place and then apparently you heal over or you get a bunion on it whatever it is and it's the least sensitive place in you from then on and that's the reward system you feel that the least and this apparently is a good sign that you're getting on with your life and time goes by and maybe something like this happens if you're lucky enough to live long enough that your mother's admitted to the hospital for who knows how many times. In my mother's case, she was of the first generation of women who could smoke in public without opprobrium following the war. And she did. And she exercised that right to the full and she smoked and smoked. And she sent me to the store for her cigarettes and I used to argue with her, as you would have done and probably did do. But it was legal in those days for a kid to pick up his mother's cigarettes, and I did. And of course, she's eventually diagnosed with emphysema. And of course, that's what she died of. But you don't know that yet, because you can get used to these chronic hospitalizations the way you can get used to almost anything, including being excommunicated from closeness to her. So I went in for my you know, duty of visit, and I walked to the room. And the door was open, and the bed was empty, and it was n nicely made, and her chart wasn't there. And by this time, I was working in the business. I went to the front desk, and I got the nurse's attention. I said, uh, Mrs. Jenkinson, now, <laughs> should I know anything? They said, oh, yes, she's been transferred to such and such a ward. I said, oh, really? Why is that? They said, well, they're better able to care for her there. Now, she's admitted with emphysema. This is a pulmonary care facility, and she's being discharged to someplace more able to care for her. And I looked at the woman and she wouldn't look at me. I looked at her and she still wouldn't look up. And I made myself say something that I never in a million years imagined I'd say. I said to her, you've decided that she's palliative, haven't you? And that's what this means. And that's when she looked up at me and she said, yes.
And that walk from that station to my mother's room, I tried to change my mind as to where in her life I was. Because when it comes to your parents, it's always you first, isn't it? Of course it is. It's my mother I'm talking about. Where in her life am I? By the time I got there, I couldn't. I couldn't make that. I couldn't turn the corner. And I walked in. And by this time, she was what they call in the business uh, unresponsive, which means we're never going to talk again about anything. She was heaving because she was breathing from up here now. And the nurses were suctioning her and so on. It was, very, it was a grim, grim time. And I stood there, and, f and fortunately, there was nobody else there. And in that moment, all of those years and all of that excommunication washed over me for the last time. And I looked at her like I'd never done before because she couldn't look back. And I'll tell you, I did. I looked down and I looked to that place where I came into the world from. And I'd never looked at it in 40 years. Oh, she was still all clothed and everything, of course. But I looked there and I knew that to be as close to home as I would ever have. And how is it in our life that we draw closest to home as it draws away from us? And that's how it was in that moment. And I looked at her and I saw then how she was truly among many other things in this life, but she was the canoe that bore me into this world with her heaving rib cage and her uncertain spine and all the other aspects of canoedom that she had. If you've ever seen a canoe with no one in it out in the water, it's a disturbing sight. Something's really wrong when you see that. But for all of that, if a canoe is out there, no one in it, and the wind has it, it's a fitful, turning thing. But when the canoe is in the current, it moves very faithfully, not all the twisting and turning at all, born as it seems bearing must be. And that's when I knew that canoe is leaving and is leaving without me.